Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where I, Elliot, get to chat with those who work behind the scenes in theatre. And, as avid listeners would know, over August we have been releasing episodes to coincide with the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And today I am bringing you the penultimate episode of our Fringe Fest season. So, so far on this season we've been chatting to Jess Millwood, Keaton Saunders-Brown, Alice Underwood and Charlotte Ann Tilly. And today I am bringing you my interviews with Georgie Bailey and Sam Rayner from Two Boy Productions and Volox Collective. So, without any further ado, here is my first interview of this episode with Georgie Bailey from Two Boy Productions who are bringing up Caligari to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2022. Hello George and welcome to the Stage of Place. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. We are here today to talk about your Edinburgh show which you are taking up to the Fringe this year. Why don't you introduce the show that you're taking up? I'd love to, yeah. I'll try and keep it succinct if I can. So the show that we're bringing up to Edinburgh this year is called Caligari. It's an adaptation of a 1920s German expressionist horror film and we're developing it as uh, told from the perspective of the victims instead. So the original film is very surreal, it's very dark. It's the first example of a horror film back in the day yeah um, and has inspired like generations of cinema since then so the big challenge for us has been figuring out how to kind of like serve that original story but also bring it into a new kind of landscape into theatre yeah one of the main challenges was it's a silent film so like how do you give noise and voice to a silent film yeah so that's been quite interesting for us but mainly what we're doing is we're transporting it into like an actor musician kind of vibe great and we're still kind of creating these uh, very like warped and twisted sets to kind of like still sit in the German Expressionist style back in yeah. the day and kind of yeah try and like transport it into this kind of new modern take on it which is uh, very madcap is probably yeah. the best word for it but also has a lot of kind of poignancy and a lot of uh, I think political comments to say about victimhood and yeah. how we listen to victims and how we have those conversations around quite traumatic events that happen which I think is fairly relevant for now you could say and there's a lot around uh, kind of politics and particularly the original film was around uh, the time of Weimar Germany and this kind of ever winding class divide that was there in, in that country at the time and so post-war Weimar is what we're looking at what's been really interesting for us in the process is to kind of think about the relevance to now and think about you know you pick up a newspaper anywhere and you can already see the issues that we have with our authority that's around us and a lot of like distrust towards the kind of government which is uh, present in our sorry to get political no, okay, yeah, so here we go. Um, <laughs> and uh, what, what's been really interesting for us is like seeing those similarities and actually seeing how far or how little progress we've actually made in terms of uh, being a society uh, under authoritarian rule, let's say, yeah. without saying too much. So yeah, that's kind of the broad brushstroke yeah. of, uh, of the play. It's a lot. So you, we were saying uh, just outside that you've been wanting to put this play on for a couple of years now. Mm. So what was it about the film that really sparked your imagination to bring it theatrically to life like did you first watch it as somebody who wanted to watch a 1920s you know silent <laughs> film and then and then like you thought over time actually that film that i watched there could mm. make a really good play like how do you bring the cinematicness to a theatrical setting yeah 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 it's a really interesting question um yeah. and i think basically me and my co-founder of the company hal uh we kind of bonded over this film like when we first met like six, five, six years right. ago. Right, yeah. Um, and weirdly, we just both watched it. I think we both went through this period of like, we want to watch loads of random stuff and loads yeah. of like weird stuff that, you know, 
uh, maybe doesn't sit quite right with like modern cinematic tropes and things like that. Yeah. Um, or things that like kind of kicked things off in a way. So, uh, and we were both obsessed with this film. We had no idea. So we were just chatting about it and we were like, it'd be really interesting as a theatre maker to kind of see how you can actually push the boundaries of what they were doing cinematically back then and also kind of try and take it into this new space that can actually speak to a modern audience as well. The original film is actually very theatrical in style. Okay. Like it's, uh, I it's guess because of a silent film, it is quite, mm. you know, it's quite big and, and like you say, it's an expressionist film. Exactly. Right? So yeah. it is it is all out there for people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like, and I mean, all of the sets that were used on that film were painted. So like all of them had these like twisted kind of, uh, very dark and macabre kind of yeah. feeling as if like anything could be behind them and they used all of these really interesting camera techniques where it was kind of like distorting your distance from them and stuff like that yeah. and I mean the stuff they did was incredible it was really quite inspiring for back then yeah and we always thought you know there's something theatrical in there and what is that and how could you bring it to this kind of yeah, modern audience, I guess, which is my buzzword of the day, apparently. What we found really interesting was a lot of the original film is based around a fair and this idea of Dr. Caligari coming and bringing this act to a fair and having like a, a circus tent full of people that he kind of uh, delivers this act to, basically. And already in, in that kind of instance, there's this idea of like theatricality and drama and hmm. bringing that audience into that space. And we thought, how can we make that audience be our theatre audience and kind of push those worlds together and make it a more intimate feeling where you can actually see this horror in front of you yeah. rather than having that separation of a screen. And, and obviously the music in the original film is such an integral part of like how that story is told. Yes, yeah. So for us immediately when we took the play to kind of begin having conversations with Lucy, who's our resident director, she immediately said it, it should be an actor musician play because yeah. of, you know, with German Expressionism, you can see the broad brush strokes on the sets themselves. You can see how it's made. Yeah. And that adds an extra level of kind of engagement for an audience so we were like okay how can we make that in a theatrical landscape and actually through seeing the actors perform the music live in front of you yeah you're getting that added sense of kind of engagement from expressionism as well so yeah and obviously one of the big things about the fringe is flyering mm -hmm. on the royal mile <laughs> so you were just talking about there about actor musicians and stuff are audiences potentially going to see some music being played on the royal mile whilst you're flyering what's oh, the strategy that you got oh yes yeah oh, yeah you know you know yeah um yeah so we've got a lot of kind of so all the score is original from the cast so they've created it all in the three weeks that we've had um, in rehearsals and uh, we're planning to kind of take full costumes out we've got a whole double bass like whole, wow. um, accordion like all yeah. these kind of different instruments so hopefully we can set up some little camps stop and, the street uh, on the Royal yeah, Mile even though it's always so busy yeah so I know that you've been before mm, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I mean I remember going up uh, with youth theatre like back in the day yeah uh, as a performer can you believe oh, wow can't believe that no nope. um, <laughs> and uh, yeah and I remember like just being like oh okay maybe it'll be a bit quieter today and all this kind of stuff and never is never no. is but I think yeah like there's so many different techniques of like how to fly as well and I yeah. think it's good to not like get cemented into one particular way so no. I think we're gonna kind of try and like attack it from a few angles yeah. see what works and then kind of go from there but also have fun that's the yes. main thing we just want to have fun with it yeah like, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah don't get bogged down with it and let's talk about because you are going to the underbelly mm. with this show how does it feel to take a show to the underbelly especially incredible yeah i'll be honest with you uh i when i was a kid going out to edinburgh underbelly was my favorite yeah. venue yeah. Uh, and particularly cowgate i was gonna say let's talk about the cow yeah like, you know what know what I mean? yeah like, yeah the upside so down cow good. we love um, it it just fills <laughs> me with jokes. yeah like, so um but yeah and i mean particularly so where we are in cowgate it's uh it's an underground kind of 
cavern-y kind of vibe. Right. Um, and we think for this show particularly, like with the idea of that it's kind of, not to spoil too much, but you know, it's kind of like a purgatory kind of space where anything is possible and questioning what a story should be and pulling it apart and stuff. And I feel like in that underground space, it just feels like it's like really rooted in something yeah. there, which I think it makes it feel like that little bit more creepy and that little bit more distorted in that sense. So yeah, yeah I'm really excited to be performing at Underbelly. Like it's great. I make it sound yeah. like I'm acting. I'm no. not. No, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> Are you up for the whole month though? Yes. 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 So I'm sure there's a lot that you're looking forward to. Yeah. Have you got any recommendations or anything that you're looking forward to watching? Oh, so much. Yeah. I mean, I could go on for hours. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm... I'm really looking forward to there's so much great comedy up there this yeah. year which I'm really excited to see um, so I mean Tim Key is one of my oh, favourite yeah. uh, comedians of all time um, so I'm really excited to see uh, him up there and yeah and I mean I think the Untapped Award shows the the other three so uh, Blanket Banner from Chalkline looks really really interesting mm -hmm. they're really playing around with form and like experimenting with again what a story can be and it's really rooted in some really important political uh, issues as well which I think are really interesting to be exploring right now um, and there's this is not a show about Hong Kong by Max Percy and Friends uh, which just looks again fantastic like yeah. properly rooted in political uh, landscapes and I think yeah that's going to be a really interesting show to see um, and then Ugly Bucket who are doing Good Grief uh, which cool. sounds so interesting it's like a clown techno show okay. uh, all about grief yeah and uh yeah it, i'm really excited to see it i can't yeah. lie to you like i think yeah but i mean there's so much good stuff there there is honestly so much good stuff to see that uh yeah i won't bore you with all my details no 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 <laughs> but i'm sure that uh we'll hear all about it when you're up at the mm. fringe george thanks so much for coming on to talk about caligari i've got one final question though mm. you've spoken a lot about this episode about going as a child going as a youth theatre member to the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. So I'm sure you've got a lot of hints and tips that you've kind of conjured up over the years. Mm -hmm. For audience members listening to this episode or company members who are going up to the Fringe for the first time, what is your like tip for them? So I think my first one is like, take it easy. I think there's such a pressure with Edinburgh to do everything and see everything and go and meet loads of people and have all of these incredible experiences every single day every single hour of the day yeah. and I think actually it's important to remember that like our mental health is really important yeah. and our health is really important and it's all very well being having the best month and knackering yourself out but by the time you come out about the end of that mm. where are you at do you know what I mean yeah. so I think it's important to like pace yourself take it easy if you need a day to just like have some time to yourself like do it like absolutely the other one I've got is a bit of a two-hander it's go and see a show on your own at least once yes. um, but also go to a show that you would never go to with other people okay. um, as in like so if other people want to go see a show and you're like oh I'm not sure if I want to go to that whatever just go like yeah. no matter what because I think the best thing about Edinburgh is that you can see such a wide variety of stuff yeah. and it's often the things that you don't have any interest in whatsoever that you love the most because you have no idea you like that stuff no. yet. Um, and I think for me as a kid it was about just seeing everything and anything that I could and now I feel like I have such a better understanding of like what people are making now and uh, you know and what the trends are what people are wanting to write about what what really like drives people and I think that that's yeah. a really exciting experience to be fair yeah um, so yeah go see a show on your own see a show with other people yeah. which is such irrelevant <laughs> advice um, and just take it easy I yeah my main I think they're amazing tips and George that brings us to the end of our interview today thank you so much once again for coming on to talk about Caligari if people want to come and see the show whereabouts can they see it so we're on at Underbelly Cowgate from the 4th of August to the 28th of August at half six uh, in the evening every single day apart from Monday the 15th ah. so don't come then because no. we won't be there <laughs> um, but yeah but thank you so much for having me as well it's been lovely thanks so much Thank you.
And there we go, that was my first interview of this episode with Georgie Bailey from Two Boy Productions Caligari, which is being performed at the Underbelly Cowgate. And now we're going to jump straight into our second interview of this episode with Sam Rayner from Volox Collective. Hello Sam Rayner and welcome to the Stage Place. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, thank you. We are here today to talk about the man who thought he knew too much, which is going to the Pleasance Dome in the Jack Dome space from the 3rd until the 29th of August at 10 past one. Sam, would you like to talk about your role in the show and how rehearsals are going so far? Absolutely. So I'm one of four co-artistic directors of Volos Collective and we work completely collaboratively in a non-hierarchical way. Uh, so we all share responsibility for writing, performing, and producing the show. That's my place, and it's been it's been a long journey to create the show. We started way back when in, in 2019, and we started creating it on a farm in rural Vermont. We started creating this show, The Man Who Thought He Knew Too Much, um, and we planned to take it up the fringe in 2020, which um, for, for some reason didn't happen. Can't, can't recall why. Uh, and then again in 21, we planned to take it up again, and then again, it didn't happen. Again, can't remember why. So here we are, 2022. And the show itself is a cinematic pastiche, really. It's a, in a way a love letter to various cinematic styles. And narratively, it follows a French man living in New York in the 1960s, Roger Clement, who narrowly avoids an explosion in his office building. And that changes his kind of regular nine to five existence into something that is really extraordinary. And so he moves from this regular routine to something that completely flips his understanding of, of the world around him. And it takes him on a journey to try and take revenge on his would-be assassins. And by the end, he changes the course of history. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there's a, there's a very major world event that happens in the 1960s that he, he manages to alter. Amazing. And how do you come up <laughs> with a story like this or, you know, to go back in history and talk about this story? Like, why is it so important for you to create theatre based on the stories that you are showing on stage? Brilliant question. I think that a lot of theatre doesn't demand a huge amount of the audience's imagination. And I suppose what we're trying to do in the process of watching our productions, we hope, is really inviting the audience to collaborate with us in a way. We present very concrete images with our body, <laughs> which in itself I think is quite unique for physical theatre. It's much less stance-based and it's more we shift between being, you know, a blade of grass or a ball of tumbleweed, a telephone box, a ship and you know, various characters in, in, the, in the blink of an eye. And what that demands is that we present the images of the films, but at the same time, it's up to the audience to kind of colorize that. And some of the feedback that we got when we performed it in Normandy, this shows had quite a journey from Vermont to Normandy via a UK tour at the start of this year. What we found is that even performing to audiences who don't have English as a first language, we understand and we see the film before us. Yeah. And it's like we're all kind of seeing our own unique film, depending on what our own imaginations bring to it. That's a really beautiful experience, actually, to really find a kind of union with the audience. I suppose the other things that we're engaging with are kind of attitudes towards gender in the 1960s and how that's changed, attitudes towards politics in the 1960s and what that has to say about our politics today as well. Yeah, and like you were just saying in that answer there, you've had a little bit of a tour before this at the start of the year. You've done a couple of previews here and there. Now it's coming up to Edinburgh. And like you were saying there, for people, English may not be their first language, but they can come and enjoy this because it's visually a spectacle because of how you are creating the world around you. So talk about how you've managed to 
change bits up throughout the previews to now create something that is hopefully quite, you know, concrete for the Edinburgh shows? How do you work around, you know, fixing and tweaking stuff here and there for like the main product of the production? Yeah, absolutely. So we started work on this off grid. Uh, we spent a month in Vermont, which is where Olivia's from. She's one of our co-artistic directors. So we're on the side of a mountain in Vermont, wow. uh, working outside. <laughs> and uh, by the end of that month, we produced basically the, the lion's share of the show. We produced a 90 minute version of the show. What's remained from that is more or less the first half and the roots, the, the ideas, like the way, the way we tell the story, which is acrobatic, it's explosive, there's juggling, it's, as you say, a, a spectacle. And then since then, a lot of it has changed. And partly that's been through residencies in, in France, which is where Paul's from. He's another co-artistic director. And we've done various residencies throughout France. And that's been really helpful for making sure that our images read clearly. I think linguistically, it's quite simple, but also, you know, pre performing to a audience who doesn't have English as a first language really makes it clear what, what resonates, what doesn't. That's, that's been really helpful. And then we had a, a month-long tour at the start of this year in, in February, and we went all around the UK and into Scotland. And I suppose, I mean, at that point, the show was 90 minutes, and of course, it has to be 60 minutes yeah. for Edinburgh. So we've really <laughs> kind of squished everything in. And what was already you know, a show that felt quite compressed in terms of its time, in terms of its time span like there's you blink and you miss what feels like an hour i think of the show yeah. <laughs> um it moves so quickly but that certainly has helped us to clarify things as well and again find fine-tune things really that, that perhaps we thought could read read better and, and just to, to make sure that we essentialize as as well like sometimes you think oh we need this entire kind of train carriage sequence where we're all bouncing up and down for 15 minutes straight yeah uh, which is kind of like a homage to hitchcock and then you think ah, yeah. oh, hang on we could just have two minutes on the train and <laughs> we could get the same effect narratively um so a lot of that has happened it's, it's basically just you know working out exactly what images we need to to plant the seed in the audience's mind of oh, okay this is the style that we're shifting to this is the location we're in it really is based on the assumptions that they have about what we're trying to create that's really exciting and so you are performing this year at the pleasance dome in the jack dome space what's it like to be able to bring this show to the pleasance especially like are you really excited to bring it yeah absolutely i mean the, the pleasance has been a really tremendous tremendous support for our company we first presented the show or an extract from the show at the let greenwich awards les enfants terribles and greenwich partnership they, they do an award for emerging theater companies we presented a 15-minute extract there and on the award, which was brilliant, that gave us a, a cash injection, which is in part making our trip to the fringe possible. Yeah. Um, and they, they also gave us a huge, huge amount of support and administrative support as well in, in programming the tour. And then we went on and we performed it at the Pleasance as well as part of a, a Pleasant Scratch. Yeah. And they've been really, really sensational in, in providing support, providing space and helping to understand really the needs of the company and helping out with marketing. You know, we're part of the Pleasant's Futures program as well, which is, yeah. is a real joy. And also like the, seeing the work of all the other companies in that program is, is really, really wonderful. It's great to be a part of that that community and, and it really does feel like a community you know we're doing kind of publicity swaps in by instagram and things like that shouting yeah. each other out and i think we have a really in-depth awareness of the material in the shows of the rest of that cohort so sam what i really want to know is have you been up to the edinburgh fringe before i personally have not been up for eight years okay uh, <laughs> and i went back when i was in uni yeah and i don't know, I don't know how i've managed to stay away blessing yeah. or curse not sure 
And going up for the first time, like you say, in about eight years previous, have you had any tips? Have you been wanting any tips about how to get around the fringe? Or would you have any tips for any audiences or companies going up to the fringe for the very first time? It depends how long you're going up for. I think if you're going up for a month, go down the mile, see what comes into your hand and mix that up with doing a little bit of pre-planning as well. I think it's really good to have a mixture of hitting shows that you know you want to see, companies that you support consistently, go and see their work, absolutely, but equally be open to receiving kind of a flyer in your hand and saying, yeah, okay, that sounds good. I had a great chat in a coffee shop with someone who recommended their show and yeah, absolutely, I want to go and see that. Yeah. Um, they seem like they had some brilliant ideas because there's so many hidden gems, I think. Yeah. And in part, it's a very saturated market. And that means that there's loads and loads of brilliant work that has a really high profile that is important to support, but equally there's lots of emerging work as well. And so I'd say mix it up, do a bit yeah. of planning, have some free time in order to do things spontaneously. I think the beauty of the fringe is that you do have work of really different profiles like next to each other. Yeah. And you're absolutely right that often the style of the publicity doesn't necessarily describe the caliber of the work. So yes, be open. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining me on the Stage of Place. Would you like to remind listeners where they can watch your production? Absolutely. It's called The Man Who Thought He Knew Too Much. And it's on at Jack Dome at 110 in Edinburgh from the 3rd to the 29th of August. Perfect. Sam, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much, Elliot. Pleasure. Cheers. And there we go. You just heard there from Sam Rayner from Volox Collective, who are bringing up the man who thought he knew too much to the Pleasant Stone this year at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And with that brings the end of our penultimate episode of our Fringe Fest season. I would love to thank Georgie Bailey and Sam Rayner for coming on to the Stagey Place podcast. If you want to hear more about their productions, then please do make sure to check out the notes in the then please do make sure to check out the links in our episode notes wherever you are streaming this instalment of The Stagey Place. We have everything from booking tickets to knowing more information about the shows, plus how you can follow these companies on social media. So please do make sure to check them out and being supportive for all of the companies who have been part of our Fringe Fest season so far at the Stagey Place podcast. And if you are up in Edinburgh, why not follow us on the Stagey Place on Instagram and Twitter, where I am giving you all of my thoughts about all the different productions that I am seeing as a part of this year's festival, plus some of the shows where I have been talking to the creatives in this season. So until next time, when I am bringing you my final episode of this Fringe Fest season, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye. <laughs>